Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show where having a Big Bent Peterson or being a burly guy is, well, normal. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking uh, podcast. <laughs> and I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the recording studio built here at my office, at my home, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And on this week's show, we have uh, Pipe Parts with uh, Ask the Pipe Maker, and it's about uh, passing a pipe cleaner. And then, uh, so we have Jeff doing that. And then my guest is Kyle Weiss, who does all the uh, blend reviews on uh, on PipesMagazine.com. And I and I got to be honest, this is the first time I've really got to know Kyle, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So uh, you have that to look forward to. Uh, music, mailbag, rant, all the usual, all that stuff coming up here on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And just as a reminder, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to enjoy this fine show. And uh, just to give you a little behind the scenes, so I got on the phone uh, this morning early with uh, Jeff because originally I was planning on doing a blend review for this week. And I'll do the review, but I got to tell you, this tobacco that I will review in the future, um, and I'll tell you about it probably next week, um, gave me fits. It gave me fits of trial and error and error and trial. And I had to really go back to, I, by the time I was done with it at, uh, on Monday night, I was, I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get it right. So this is one of the first times where I wanted to just kind of take a refresh on this and I was not ready to present the tobacco. So you'll have that to look forward to next week, and I'll talk you through a whole bunch of the things that I've done to try to make sure that I give this tobacco the best and most fair review possible. So there you go. Um, If you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating or review. We would appreciate that. Or rate and review the Pipes Magazine podcast wherever you happen to listen to it. All right, let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and it's time to play Ask the Pipe Maker with the pipe maker, Jeff Grasick of J. Allen Pipes and J. Allen Design. I guess you should say that with a little bit of accent, so maybe it's J. Allen Design. Uh, oh, absolutely, as you're holding a clipboard, perhaps. Yeah, and a, and a measuring mm-hmm. tape. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jeff, welcome back. Glad to be here, Brian. All right, get caffeinated for me, because here it comes. This one is from uh, Greg Wolford, and he says, I have a question that I hope Jeff can help with. If you have a pipe that won't pass a cleaner, what can be done to fix that? 
I've heard others mention ramping the airway in the past, but I don't recall if that was to alleviate this problem or something else, let alone how one might do it. Thanks for your time and all the information you provide through the podcast, Greg. Well, Greg, you're welcome. And here's Jeff for all the information. Hey, Greg, that's a great question. I hope I can help you out here. As with a lot of these questions, there's not always an easy answer to it. Good, because that takes up more time. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, it honestly depends on what is causing the pipe cleaner to not pass. So that can be a couple of different things. One is that the mouthpiece might have an airway that is not wide enough. And in that case, maybe an extra fluffy pipe cleaner won't pass through. But a skinny pipe cleaner will. In another uh, another reason that it might not pass through the mouthpiece is if there was some sloppy pipe making work on the inside of the mouthpiece and it is getting hung up on a tool mark or some kind of cavity left by the pipe maker. That in that case, the end of the pipe cleaner, the, the the piece of metal that runs down through it will get stuck in that little hole and will not be able to pass through. And you as a home user probably won't be able to do much about that unless you can, for a bent mouthpiece, have the ability to straighten it and have all the tools to get down in there and do it. I would just, if it's an inexpensive pipe, I would just tough it out. And if it is an expensive pipe, I would send it to a professional. Yeah, I mean, let's pause right here and talk about if it's in the stem. So the so the way I the way I figure out if a pipe is where a pipe is having a problem is I stick a pipe cleaner in the pipe and I run it down as far as I can and I kind of pinch what's left of the pipe cleaner and then I lay that pipe cleaner up against the side of the pipe so that I can see about how far down the pipe cleaner is going. If it if it's in the stem, what you're talking about, if it's a if it's a straight pipe, yeah yeah yeah. If if there's something wrong inside the stem of a straight pipe, boy, is that that's um, sloppy pipe making. <laughs> to, yeah, to yeah, a, it, it could to, could very well be. Now, yeah. I, I I would like to take a, a moment here to point out the fact that Brian and I can see each other right now, and Brian is demonstrating yes. how a pipe cleaner will not pass through a pipe on a pipe. And I happen to be the maker of that pipe, so I, I resent <laughs> so, this fact. But wait, let me just let me just tell everybody out there that when I am talking about something and recording for the show, I do it with my hands, whether somebody's actually looking at me or not. And most of the time, mm-hmm. it's usually just you know some pictures of Mickey Mouse or you know, some of my toys around here that are looking at me. So sorry, Jeff. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're not used to seeing each other's pretty faces, but today's a special day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, look, Jeff. I'm using a different pipe maker to to show that example that it goes all oh, the way through. Oh, good. I feel yeah. so much better now. Yeah. Now let me go back and <laughs> let's get back to reality here and be serious. All right. All right. <clears throat> um, if it's a bent stem, all mm-hmm. bent stems start out as straight stems, and then they are bent. And uh, yes. yeah, and, and so if you're if you've got a problem in a bent stem, the only way to fix it is to unbend that stem, straighten it out, go in with either files or a drill and fix it and then rebend it back. And I don't that is 
Absolutely true. And if any of you ever try to fix your bent mouthpieces <laughs> without straightening them, and when you break them, send them to me or someone like me to fix the mouthpiece you broke, we will laugh and say no and send it back to you. This is one of those situations where if you if you send in a pipe that's having a problem for repair, it costs one price. But if you send it in and you've worked on it before that, it's going to cost more. Right. I have <laughs> on a couple occasions had people who purchased pipes for me and decided they wanted to actually before I tell that part, which you know where it's going, they have complained about an issue that they're having with it. Or perhaps someone bought a an estate pipe off of eBay or something. And they come to me and they say, oh my God, this this mouthpiece isn't isn't what I expected from you. And mm-hmm. then they show it to me and I see either they worked on it or someone who owned it before them had. And I say, well, that's not how I made it. That's how someone broke it. Well, I hold you responsible. Well, you can hold me responsible all you want, but I am not responsible. But I'll make you a new one. <laughs> yeah. So before you do that, uh, I'll tell the one funny story of mine with a blocked stemway, which was a brand new pipe that was from a, a, a never smoked uh, completely unsmoked Ashton pipe made by Bill Taylor, God rest his soul, the wonderful <laughs> gentleman. And Bill, I know where this is going. Bill used a briar dot insert in his stem, and he would drill out the hole just like a Dunhill dot, and then lay in this little piece of briar and glue it in there, and da 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 da. And he would then he would most times come back into the stem and chip off the edge of the briar dot and clean, he, he would and drill it back out with he'd the drill it back out yeah well this time he forgot to <laughs> so so how far when you did your finger test on the pipe how far did that that uh that pipe cleaner make it into the pipe three, three quarters of an inch uh, oh there you go yeah and it had a very restrictive airflow around it but now, if it going back to Greg's question, because I think I forgot what it was, because we were having too much fun here. Um, <laughs> if it's at the ten and mortise junction, mm-hmm. there are little things that can be done to ramp out a little bit. But yeah, yeah. But, so, so I think just to go back to the beginning here, there to if you if the pipe will not pass a pipe cleaner it can happen in a couple different places the first place that we've already talked about is inside the mouthpiece so it's either that it's not drilled properly or it was shoddy workmanship on the inside or you're trying to use a too fat uh, pipe cleaner for the for the size of the airway and my personal opinion and i think you would agree with me brian is that most airways ought to be open to three and a half to four millimeters oh no we're not getting properly but that is a subject for a different oh different yeah 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 don't don't open up that can of worms shutting off their people are shutting off their podcast apps right now (laughs) you're losing ad revenue it's all pouring out (laughs) (laughs) so the second place uh where the where the 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 kink in the airway can occur is in the joint between the mortise and the tenon at the bottom of the mortise. And anybody who's ever opened or owned a Peterson system pipe knows what this is like. So a Peterson system pipe has a really long mortise because it acts like a calabash and it collects moisture there, which it, it, it does that well. The problem is that the airway is never at the bottom of that because, of course, you would have all the gunk flowing down into the bowl. But 
you can't pass a pipe cleaner through them and it's impossible to make it do it. You, you can get a pipe cleaner to the bottom of the well. Yeah, to the bottom of the yeah. well. So effectively, if a uh, if a pipe is not drilled in the bottom of the mortise in a standard fitting, it will act in the same way. You pass your pipe cleaner through, it hits the bottom of the mortise. And even if it looks in the center in some cases, the pipe cleaner might get hung up there because the pointy end of the wire gets stuck on the wood. So for bent pipes especially, it becomes challenging for pipe makers to get a straight drill bit through a to, to make a bent pipe. And so there are compromises that are made. One is if you've ever disassembled a bent pipe, typically on handmade pipes, but also on factory pipes, there'll be a little uh, semicircular notch in the bottom of the mortise. Yep. And some people who might be coming to handmade pipes for the first time see that and and... I, I've had people ask questions and think that doesn't look professional. Well, that is the reason that is there is is functional. It's so we can get the airway in the bottom of the mortise as close to the middle as possible. And so if we don't hit the bottom of the mortise, then the next thing you can do is ramp it. And by what we what we mean by ramp it is to shape the airway and make it oblong so that it drags that the airway down to the middle of the mortise as you're looking down the mortise of the pipe. And the deeper the bend of the pipe, the longer those ramps can become. I have seen some really ugly ones, and I have seen some very expensive pipes that, despite my best efforts to fix them, despite the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that went into purchasing this pipe, it will never pass a pipe cleaner. And I'll remind everybody real quick before we wrap this up that the idea of a pipe having to pass a pipe cleaner, that's something that only came up really in the last 15, 20 years. Before that, mm -hmm. the concern of a pipe passing a pipe cleaner was never uh, never really a, a thought or a concern because the only time you would use a pipe cleaner is after the pipe was done. And you disassembled it like you might you know, something else, yeah. uh, some other item that you might have, you disassemble it to, to, to tend to it. So yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a really important point that you bring up, Brian, that a, a lot of people are applying modern standards to old pipes. Yeah. And that's true. That's true across a lot of aspects, not just passing a pipe cleaner. So if your pipe won't pass a pipe cleaner, you need to ask yourself, is that important to you? And then also, why is it important to you? Yeah. And secondly, if it's not important to you, then all then it doesn't really matter. Then you can just yeah. disassemble your pipe like anybody else and 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 tend to it afterwards. I have no problem with it. All of my pipes pass a pipe cleaner because it's important to my clients. My clients expect that. But personally, I, I couldn't care less. Yeah, and, and and then I'll reiterate just uh, again for fun here um if you buy a pipe from a reliable retailer or a reliable uh pipe maker and even if you if you buy it sight unseen and you get it and the first thing that you do is try to put a pipe cleaner through it if it doesn't go through for you most people will take it back without any questions because that yeah 
and and they may no doubt we want our we want our customers to be happy yeah and we do just about everything in our power to make sure that they are yeah and i will not buy a pipe unless the pipe cleaner goes all the way through it because that's the way i smoke and that's important to me and i'm sorry there are some pipes that i've had that just didn't stay with me because I couldn't get a pipe cleaner through them easy. And I wasn't willing to pay to have them ramped out or fixed because it wouldn't have been worth it to me. Right. Uh, and before you start doing any ramping out yourself, think about no, how expensive no, no, that pipe no. is. Do not do it. <laughs> yeah. Send it to somebody. All right. There we go. Jeff, thank you very much. Happy to be here. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf. Each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is a pipe smoker and a name that you should be familiar with because all of you read Pipes Magazine. It's a tobacco reviewer extraordinaire, Kyle Weiss. Kyle, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you for having me. All right, so so let's get your uh, superhero origin story. Where are you from? Where did you grow up and uh, and Why? Oh boy. All right. So superhero origin stories. Um, I was originally born in, uh, uh, the middle of a small town in, in Arizona, uh, before I was even really conscious as a human being at about six months of age, my, uh, father, uh, whisked the family off to Northern Nevada, uh, <laughs> where we had the choice of either living in Elko or Reno. And, uh, he was a part of the, the mining industry for, uh, quite a long time. And uh, we chose Reno, and I've pretty much been here ever since. I've lived other places here and again, but uh, Reno's always been like home to me. The biggest little city in the world. That's what they call it. Yeah. Used to be the divorce capital of the world, too, because it was uh, quickie divorces. Yep. Then there's still people that will go with, uh, with, with metal detectors in the Truckee River off of the Virginia Street Bridge trying to find the rings that the ladies would, uh, would throw in there after the divorce was complete. <laughs> not <Wow>. lying <laughs> wow hope the water is warm while they're in there uh, well this time of year the river's <laughs> almost non-existent it dries up almost completely uh during the august months so that's when people usually end up going down there getting sunburnt and drinking and looking for rings or they're floating the river on tubes that's the other thing that happens i love it uh so when did you start smoking a pipe when did pipe smoking become interesting to you that is a two-part answer. Um, I had some uh, interesting adventures when I was in my teenage years, and uh, I started one of my first jobs uh, as, a, as a cook. I've been in the uh, culinary, culinary industry for about 15 years, um, 
And uh, one of my first jobs that I had was at a retirement home. And uh, one of the jobs that I had when I was a cook there is I would sometimes have to take meals up to uh, residents that lived at this retirement home uh, that didn't feel like either socializing or coming down to uh, the dining hall. And uh, there was a guy who was, uh, um, God, at the time, this is 20 years ago, uh, he was he was a uh, he was a veteran in one of the wars, but he had to been pushing in his early 90s. Wow. And his name was Larry. And he gave me a uh, little ugly Dr. Grabo pipe, and he gave me a uh, Ziploc bag full of Carter Hall tobacco, and I was probably about 18 at this time. And he taught me how to smoke a pipe. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, I got in trouble a couple of times because I was supposed to be doing my, my kitchenly duties. And uh, the boss would ring up, knew exactly where I was, and said, get your ass down to the, <laughs> down to the <laughs> kitchen again and quit hanging out with this guy. And so that was my non-serious pipe smoking days. Um, I, uh, you know, I would, I, would, I would do it more for effect or anything else. I didn't really understand it fully. Um, and then fast forward to oh, probably about seven or eight years ago, um, I, uh, I, don't, I don't, couldn't even tell you. I think I dug out those same pipes that, that Larry gave me. And uh, started looking around, uh, you know, places locally to find pipe tobacco and uh, started going to our we had a tinder box uh, here in here in Reno for a while and uh, started getting getting into that again. And just slowly started building up to it. After that, I joined forums like uh, Brothers of Briar, um, started making friends over there, um, got got into got into it even more. And that's when my world really opened up to me. I started talking to pipe smokers all over the world and learning what I liked, what I didn't like, what pipes really meant, how to take care of them. And here I am today, and now I'm writing for uh, the best uh, online magazine for pipes pipes and tobacco that exists on the planet. I'm uh, pretty proud of where it's taken me. Yeah, I think Pipes Magazine is also the number two and number three online pipe magazine, um, and also the only one. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it kind of cornered the market a little bit, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anybody who can survive working with Kevin for any kind of length of time is either stupid, belligerent, or just special. So congratulations. I, I agree with that. I think I can fit all, all of those categories, especially, you know, given the chance. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you also work uh, at a retail tobacconist for a while? I did. Uh, the same uh, aforementioned tinderbox that uh, that I started going into, you know, years ago. Um, uh, I started actually working at after hanging out there for uh, a little bit, and uh, they needed somebody to uh, to fill in um, some hours there. And I started off part time there and worked my way up a little bit. But I was uh, I was doing uh, catering. I was doing mining work. I had at one point in time I had four different jobs that I was doing, and that was one <laughs> of them that kind of filled in some gaps. And uh, I just did it for fun. The pay the pay was was not very good, uh, but the but the good times that we had there was worth it. Uh, we had um, you know a really broad spectrum clientele from college kids that were you know just starting to become adults and wanted to try some some new things out yeah. uh, to guys that had been uh, you know customers of the store for you know 40, 50 years, and uh, unfortunately it closed down uh, this year. Um, and uh, that was the kind of a sad to see it go, but uh, it uh, will always remain as a good part of my life in memory of my, my working tobacco career. Yeah, I mean, for, you know, for being in Reno, that was kind of a storied tinderbox that had always seemed to, you know, seemed to just chug along. So I was, I was surprised when I saw that it was closing. 
Yeah, it's um, it was it was tough. I mean, there's a lot of things, little changes going on in Reno. I mean, economically, um, socially, there's a lot of a lot of different influences going on, and and Reno has always struggled with both cigars and 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 pipes and tobacco, and I never understood that because down in Carson City, there's several cigar bars that do very well, and almost all of them have closed in Reno. Um, so Tinderbox was really trying to trying to fight a, a losing battle, um, and it's, it was sad to kind of see, this, especially the pipe end of it going, because there was no other place really to get anything like that until you either went to Salt Lake City or Sacramento. Yeah, and now the one in Sacramento is gone too. So, um, well, there, there's your doom and gloom report. Um, yeah. So, Let's talk about happier things. Yeah. So what? I mean, if you if you had to think about it now, what was it that really kind of hooked you on pipe smoking? Well, I mean, I don't want to use the I don't want to use the term oral fixation because I don't want to get anybody too hot and bothered. But uh, <laughs> I don't know what uh, you're talking about. Uh, really, when it comes down to it, pipes uh, in general uh, were more interactive. I guess you could say um, it was it was always fascinating to me that you could hold a you know a piece of you know of art that you know was 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 created and was unique, and not only have that thing to put on the wall. Uh, but you could interact with it. You know, I'm not much for curios and collectibles that sit on the shelf and collect dust. If I do anything like that, they got to be useful to me. And a pipe just seemed to be, you know, fit the mold. I mean, I'm a complete whore for nicotine. I, I love nicotine. <laughs> um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I wanted it to be personal. Uh, the other thing, honestly, was the cost uh, advantage, too, because once you sure. get the pipe, you know, getting the tobacco was 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 fairly cinch if you're kind of on a budget. So all those things kind of matched up and suited me just fine. And did you did you go down the path of trying all the all the different styles and or, and start off with aromatics and kind of move around? Oh, you oh styles of like uh, st- shapes of pipes and then and tobaccos. The tobacco yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, I kind of just went and floated along. Um, I, I, I think that the aesthetic of the pipe was more important to me at first than it is now. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I started choosing the pipes based on on how they smoked. And then it occurred to me later that, you know, that the you know larger chambers and board pipes smoke differently than the smaller, narrower ones, you know, and, and, and the shape of the pipe actually does matter. I mean, how it feels in your hand and the weight of it in your jaw, like, you know, you kind of learn your own your own style and the way that you like to smoke and what your you know preferences are for enjoyment. And then on the tobacco end of it, too. Yeah, I, I started out. I, I never really enjoyed the aromatics. And of course, the you know, the the old saw was, you know, you start with aromatics. And um, I actually didn't didn't fall in that category. It wasn't for me. So when I started discovering that there were things like Latakia and Perique and, you know, other other mixtures out there and then Virginia's, of course, you know, I it was a whole world that started opening up to me and it was a real joy. And and you survived the aromatics and then it, I did. It's kind of yeah, like a they, hazing. They, <laughs> It, it kind of is. I mean, some people really enjoy them, and I never begrudged any of my customers in my in my shop that you know that really enjoyed them, and, and you know could have a good conversation about them. But uh, you know, everybody, it's like I usually say on my on the end of my reviews, you know, like what you smoke and smoke what you like, and everybody will find their what's what's good for them. Yeah, and and I will remind people, and you and you can back this up that you know when you were working at the tinderbox, I'm sure most of the pipe tobaccos that you sold were aromatics. 
Sometimes uh, I actually was was trying to push people to sometimes expand their horizons a little bit. Um, the people who I knew that I would never change would be, you know, uh, uh, Joe Smith, the you know the eighty five year old codger that would come in, and he had his exact mixture that he's been smoking since you know the Carter administration, and nothing was going <laughs> to change that. Um, but then there were, you know, if, if somebody was new to it, I wanted them to experience the full the full spectrum of what was available out there and find what suits them. That was what was most important to me. You know, if you liked it and you stuck with it, hallelujah. If you wanted to try something different, well, I got just the thing for you. And that is a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, tobacco reviewing and uh, Kyle's process for it. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. are back on the pipes magazine radio show visiting with pipes magazine's own kyle weiss all right kyle you do the reviews you do wonderful reviews you write beautifully you use nice fancy words that you know sometimes i have to look them up and i, I don't mind <laughs> i don't mind there's a dictionary function you just kind of right click on something um so how did you how did you get hornswaggled into doing these um, well, I think it, what it, I'm trying to remember back because it's been I actually was just thinking about that the other day about how it's been a, a few years now that I've been doing this. Um, I mean, I'm a I'm a writer by by trade. I mean, I uh, for the mining industry, I would have to write out reports for, um, you know, property assessment and whatnot and do very legal legalized, you know, paperwork for you know it's it's all boring stuff i'm not even going to talk about that <laughs> um i would also write uh you know for occasionally for um you know food reviews for for local magazines uh, because i was in in the food industry and uh, i've been i've been a writer ever since i was probably about 10 or 11 years old um, it was a way for me to kind of get away from the world and the stresses of everyday life and uh you know i would read i would research i would i would put pen to paper and uh, that's just how I got into that part of it. When it comes to tobacco, I think that uh, Mr. Gregory Pease and I were talking and uh, it turned out that Kevin needed somebody to fill in the in the slot for doing tobacco reviews. And it was presented to me because I would, you know, write things on you know the, the uh, blogs and um, online communities for pipe tobacco. And people seem to enjoy interacting with them and and uh, and reading them. So I figured I'd give it a shot. So Greg threw you under the bus, too, huh? Yeah, he kind of did. Greg's yeah. a, a wonderful human being. Um, I don't talk to, to him as much as I used to, um, but because uh, we're but he's a busy man. Right? We're both both very busy people and lead lead interesting lives. So, um, but uh, yeah, he he said that that was a that was a opportunity for me, and uh, I jumped on it. 
So what is your approach? What do you, what's the, what's the first <laughs> thing you do when you get a, when you get a blend and you're going to review it? Well, I, it's, it's kind of like, I think that's in my profile that's on pipes magazine. When I say that I'm a gonzo pipester, <laughs> I am a, I am a gonzo writer. Uh, I, I, you know, appreciate that, that kind of, that, that style, um, you know, probably not quite as, as drug fueled as the man that coined the term, but uh, he, <laughs> I, I, I don't have a, an exact approach. Um, I lead kind of a chaotic life anyway, but uh, I, I, I choose it based upon sometimes what falls out of the box or the, or the cabinet in my, in my cellar, so to speak. Uh, sometimes it depends on the weather. Sometimes it depends on the time of year or what my tastes are at the time. And I'll just grab it and think, hey, let's uh, have I ha a have I have I smoked this before, and b uh, is it something that I can you know that I feel comfortable with writing about? So what I usually do is select it, open it up, leave the tin air out for you know a day or so, so that it actually you know gets reacclimated you know, re re with the with the atmosphere, mm -hmm. and then I'll uh, I'll just kind of I'll, I'll smoke and take notes. I will load up a bowl, sit out on my porch, pour a glass of something alcoholic, and you know, start, uh, start the process and I'll start taking notes. And then the story starts to get formed when I actually get through the, um, through the notes themselves and start taking ideas from, you know, the, the first part of the smoke, like, how does it light? How does it pack? How does it smell? And it's a, it's a very crazy process that would probably drive more organized people crazy, um, <laughs> as well. Uh, but I don't have a, I don't have a direct methodical approach to it. All seems to kind of stitch together in the end. Uh, and then I just kind of fill it with words, sometimes thoughts about what's going on in the world. And I try not to, you know, get too off track with that. Um, sometimes I go a little, a little, little off track, but, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, I mean, the experience, that's the experience for me. I mean, you, you can't just focus solely on the tobacco because that's, that's almost being myopic about it. Um, but, uh, you know, what's going on in the world around you, this is all about enjoyment. And, you know, I don't know too many pipe smokers that don't ponder their own existence while they're doing it. And I think that's part of the process too. Will you, uh, so, so first of all, you don't get bribed by tobacco manufacturers. You know, here's a hundred bucks and a tin of tobacco. Please give me a good review. No. In fact, I would take exception to that. Uh, I would, I would actually, that would actually irritate the hell out of me. Uh, not going to lie. Uh, the, the reason why I do this is for the love of what we do. You know, whether you want to call it habit or hobby or lifestyle, um, we're doing this for a particular reason. And that reason needs to be based on honesty. And if somebody wanted to throw a hundred bucks my way to basically, you know, f force my hand to say something good about it, well, it's not going to happen. Anything that I say is 100 percent honest. Now, I will be critical. Mm -hmm. And if you if you read carefully, sometimes I'll say, yeah, this 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 really wasn't for me. Um, but at the same time, you know. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus and, you know, and really trash somebody's product either. So it's a very careful yeah. balance about how I say things. Yeah. I have a habit that's turned into a hobby and created my lifestyle. Uh, right. So, and then you will, you, when you take that, when you take that tobacco, you have pipes that you think will work, will make it work best. Yeah, for the most part, the the pipe choosing is is very serendipitous. Uh, it's I mean, I have my pipes roughly organized into pipes that I only smoke with Virginia. I don't put Latakia in them because I don't want to skew the flavors and you know cause any ghosting. 
Uh, I have pipes that are, you know, just for Latakia. And then I have pipes that are almost kind of my, uh, I, they're, they're like the Ford F-150 of, of, <laughs> of tobacco <laughs> pipes. They, they really can take a beating. You can throw pretty much anything you want to. And I mean, you know, it's how exactly how it's going to perform. It's a utility pipe. And uh, depending on what I'm smoking, it's, you know, it's, I don't know. It's I, I don't choose usually the, the, the pipe very directly after that i mean there's sometimes an enjoyment factor in it but for my reviews not so much i, I know i know which ones are going to smoke good with the stronger uh, english blends which ones are going to be good for a straight virginia if there's something that's heavy with perique in it it's it's that that that's part of the chaos i'm just going to yeah. shorten that out and say it's part of the chaos is, is you know <laughs> which pipe is going to going to match up i sometimes i don't know Will you it will you retry a blend in a different pipe if you're not real sure what happened with it in that in the pipe that you just tried it in? Absolutely, I think that switching up the tobacco um, uh, is just as important as switching up your pipes, and that can that can create some interesting you know abstract math with it you know if you think too hard about it. But uh, uh, yeah, if a pipe's really not jiving with the tobacco at all. Uh, I will not necessarily change the tobacco, of course, because I'm focusing on it for a review. So it's time to change the pipe. Um, sometimes it might just need a cleaning or something. So I'll try and make sure that I've got something that I know is, you know, a little bit, little bit cleaner to to uh, to smoke the tobacco in and you know get a get an honest flavor profile from it. Now how, we'll go back to the uh, Ford F-150s. No commercial money was spent by Ford here. Thank you. Um, <laughs> We'll, we'll call it a Chevy Silverado, just make it even, and pretty soon it'll be a GMC. Uh, how did you figure out that those are kind of workhorse pipes? Uh, just that's experience. Uh, that's just getting to know the pipe. I mean, it's like anything else. You know, you know, you know what's going to you know get you to point A to point B. You know, the most you know more reliably and and you know suit the purpose. Um, I find a lot of my corn cob pipes actually to to fit that bill uh, quite a bit, and I and I love. Uh, corn cob pipes. Uh, corn cob pipes are something that I discovered because uh, there were some guys that were in my shop that would, you know, they would scoff at them because they wanted to see the the Dunhill white spots. That was the only <laughs> thing that would do for them. And uh, so as a joke, at one point in time, I got some white out and I put a white spot on my corn cob pipe and said, there's your white spot right there. <laughs> they didn't like that much, but uh, I got a good I got a good relationship going with the uh, the the corn cobs that I have in my collection. And I have some uh, interesting ones that have uh, seen some very interesting adventures with me over the years. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so those uh, those sometimes are my workhorses. And then I've got a couple of briar pipes that are no names that are, you know, one offs from who knows where probably from factories that don't even exist anymore that have changed names 300 times since then and uh, those are my favorite ones I like a pipe with character a pipe doesn't have to have a name stamping on it to be good it's just got to it's got to perform and work well in my jaw and work well with the tobacco I have so what you're saying is a lot of it is uh, trial and error and then uh, history and repetition and experience I think that's about right I think that sums it up uh and then the same thing, I'm, I'm assuming the same thing happened for your Virginia pipes and your English pipes? Yep, that, that part of it's all pretty much the same. I let the pipe tell me what tobacco it wants. And uh, the, only, the only judge in that is, is, is my tongue and my palate. And if everything is working and all cylinders are firing and I'm a happy man, then, then that's, that's where it goes. And I just kind of keep mental notes. And I, kinda, I know intimately each one of those pipes and what it's good for, what, what its shortcomings are, and uh, where, where it can really make the tobacco sing. What do you do with flakes? 
Flakes, though, man, uh, that again depends on the pipe. Uh, I know I first started out with the old ye old fold and stuff method. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes that works for certain stuff. Other times, you know, you almost got to get a blowtorch to get that stuff going again. <laughs> um, I personally, I like to I like to really uh, take the flake and and uh, and and rub it out pretty good and really almost get it down to, to ribbons. Uh, there's a few chunks in there. I'm not worried about it, but I like to at least get it so that the uh, I can get a good draw on it uh, that that I prefer. And I like a little bit more of a of a stiff draw than an open draw than most people probably would. And the and the way you pack that and the way you or and the way you manipulate the flake is going to alter how the flake is going to smoke, right? Yeah, that gets into the category of burn quality, and I think there personally, there's so many. Uh, I I don't know if there's probably a probably somebody did some scientific thing on it, but there's so many different reasons why tobacco burns the way that it does, and so many different variables that you know I just do the best that I can. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of people struggle with that if they're newer, but at the same time, I tell people just, you know, put it in there and light it. And if it doesn't work, try a different way. And I don't even think about it anymore. I think that when you get, you know, a few years under your belt with uh, loading up a pipe, you just kind of, you can feel your way around. That takes experience. And now you helped out Kevin when we, when we're doing these uh, smoking and drinking comparisons, cause he cheated and brought in a, you know, brought in a ringer. Um, <laughs> Is there times when you're doing this and you're like, all right, the drink is wrong and I need to I, I need to get this drink away from that tobacco? Oh, you're talking about just for, for pairing instances or just for taste testing. Right. Um, that's honestly, I, I sometimes that will influence it. Sometimes I'll match the drink to the tobacco and sometimes it's the tobacco to the drink. I mean, part of the you know the joy of living is that we've got variety we're lucky enough to you know to have you know a lot of choices out there available to us and you know once in a while i'll, I'll get i'll get uh, a crazy notion about something and you know mix some sort of you know weird cocktail or something up and it does not work at all with the tobacco <laughs> that i'm smoking and i'm like well i'm not going to take any notes today i'm going to slam this drink i'm going to finish the rest of this bowl and try again tomorrow <laughs> and move on and get over life yep. <laughs> All right, we we haven't prepped for any of this, but I'm going to drop a couple of bombs on you. Are you ready? Uh, go for it. I think I can handle it. What is a tobacco that you absolutely that that you really like, but people really kind of hate or get or gets a lot of hate? Hmm. I don't know. I consider myself to have pretty damn good taste. <laughs> At least that's a personal opinion. Um. Man, that is a that's a tough one. Actually, you know, I do have one that I think that that would probably fit the bill. Um, Mr. Pease has a uh, has a, a tobacco that is called Union Square, and Union Square is one of my favorite tobaccos because it is one of the cleanest Virginia smokes that I think to this date that I've ever had. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to to push his stuff at all. It's just I like the man and I like the way he approaches tobacco. Yeah. And it was I was the first Virginia that I ever truly fell in love with. And a lot of people, when I smoke that, complain that it smells like cigarettes. And I did not understand it because I smoked cigarettes for years and I stopped smoking cigarettes because they really were, you know, not doing doing me any good. And I just I really enjoy the the, the flavor and the aroma. And there, there's I mean, I could I could go on po waxing poetically about this stuff, but I won't. And a lot of people complained about the, you know, the the smell of it. And I guess that's one of them. 
another one is that I'm, I, I really enjoy um, uh, another one, another Virginia is called the, uh, the Virginia number one by uh, McBaron. Yeah. A lot of people do not like that tobacco. They say it rips up their tongue. It's got tongue bite to hell and back. And for some <laughs> reason, my 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 chemistry, my you know the way that I approach it, the pipes that I choose, I don't know. But that stuff has always, if I wanted to get something a little bit a little bit sweet, the honey flavor that comes off of that is just perfect for me. It is not overpowering. It's not cloying, and I really enjoy it. And a lot of people that I've had try it say, "You you you're crazy." <laughs> All right. So I guess those are the those are the two. Let's do the counterpoint of that. What is a tobacco that everybody raves about and you think is just dog meat on a stick? Oh, I'm gonna get strung up for this one and Go I for it. bring it on. Penzance. Mm. Penzance is the darling has been the darling child for years, and I've had nothing but problems with that tobacco. I don't hate it. I'm gonna say this for the record. I do not hate Penzance. I think Esoterica is a good tobacco company, but the uh, the unobtainium factor of that stuff because they're a pretty small operation, you know, has caused that tobacco to get way overhyped. Um, it's got the consistency of potting soil. Uh, <laughs> sometimes the flavor of it, it's, it can be hard to break apart and load. It's hard to find, uh, their tins and their packaging sometimes can be a little finicky where you can't really store it that well. And everybody raves about it. And it's just, I kind of tried it and shrugged my shoulders and said, I think there's better things to choose out there. Well, if they string you up, I'll be right there next to you. I won't be strung up, but I'll just be right there next to you, supporting you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any suggestions for people that that people things people should do when they are approaching a new blend? Well, I don't know if my method would be good for them because I again I'm a, I go out a little bit uh, a little bit crazily. Um, I think honestly, I tell people a lot of people is trust your nose. Uh, if you don't like the way the tobacco smells, you're not probably going to be as open to it by the way that it tastes. And some that's not always a, a hard and fast rule because, you know, Perique does definitely does not smell like it like it tastes at all. Uh, but I think in general, if you if you like the smell of it, it's worth a shot. Um, if you can get a sample of it from your local tobacconist, you know, or you can, uh, you know, if sometimes, you know, one of the you know, a few of the pipe you know, online pipe guys will, will, will throw in some samples for you. Just check it out with your nose first. I think that the nose is the most telling thing. I mean, we do that with food on a culinary aspect from my background. You know, one of the first things that we do is, is, is to enjoy food is to look at it. And the second thing we do is smell it. And the third thing we do is, is, is taste it. And the so fourth thing the we do with it is on a stick. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kyle, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Okay, let's do it. What is your favorite pipe? My favorite pipe uh, is a leather-wrapped bulldog, straight bulldog uh, with a diamond shank uh, that was given to me by a friend of mine that worked in a thrift store. Um, that actually belonged to a very good friend of hers that uh, passed away. And uh, she had this pipe for years, and she said that she couldn't sell it. She couldn't give it away uh, because it meant too much to her. And uh, she said, uh, I want you to have this. You're the only person I know that would enjoy it and take care of it. Uh, and uh, it's one of the ugliest pipes that I have. Um, and it smokes like a dream, and it's got a lot of memories for me. And I, and I really enjoy it a lot. And what is your favorite tobacco? Oh, that! Oh my God! Stop yeah. it! Sorry, that's All one right. of them. Um, 
All right. Uh, boy. So <laughs> I think my favorite uh, that I can probably say my favorite go-to is uh, Billy Bud. Okay. Uh, what, what is your favorite drink? Oh, boy. Um, are we, oh, boy. Um, I'm a gin drinker. Uh, I love I love gin a lot. I like I like whiskeys and all all that too. And mezcal uh, is another favorite of mine. Um, but uh, there is a uh, small distillery here uh, near Reno, near Fallon, that makes a um, gin that's called Cemetery Gin, and uh, it's uh, themed based on Virginia City, which is nearby as well, the historical yeah. mining town. And uh, some of their proceeds go to help the Historical Society for Virginia City. And it is a fantastic gin made it with all Nevada locally sourced ingredients. And uh, it goes for a good cause. So all wins there. And the Ponderosa is not too far up the hill from Virginia City. Uh, home of home of the Cartwrights. Yeah, uh, that's up in uh, Tahoe, though. That's on the other side of the valley. Well, it, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, they used to ride into <laughs> Virginia City for the day, so it must be close. I saw it on TV. It has to be true. Has to be true. Uh, yeah. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? God, man, you really are throwing the tough ones at me. Um, any of the above. Uh, I'm usually, uh, I like to read, I'd say with reading and, and listening to music. I enjoy reading. I don't do too many books anymore uh, just because the you know computer makes it so easy. Um, but I do most of, my, most of my reading with music, and that's, that's the way to go for me. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Several of them, but I'll probably refer back to my times when I unseriously smoked a pipe uh, during my time working at the retirement home with, with that guy, Larry. Um, those were uh, tough days for me. Uh, I haven't had a particularly good background or growing up and uh, having somebody like that around. I never had any grandparents because uh, I just never, never got a chance to meet them. Um, and this guy really was almost kind of a surrogate for me and sitting in that room and waiting to get in trouble for my boss yelling at me while smoking a pipe and listening to this guy's stories were, were incredible. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that for the world. It was good stuff. Yeah. Those are, it makes you smile. Um, anyway, Kyle's got nothing to sell except for, uh, his, uh, reviews on pipesmagazine.com, which you all read on a regular basis, right? Um, absolutely. So, uh, Kyle, thank you very much for coming on, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And we'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. And again, check out everything that Kyle writes on uh, pipesmagazine.com. All right, uh, for music, and boy, that was fun. Um, for music, we're going back to uh, my friend and pipe maker, Jody Davis, his uh, self-titled solo album from 2000 and uh, something a long, long time ago. Uh, this one's called Drive. Floor, 
can find copies of Jody's CD on eBay. I believe there is uh, two listings last time I saw. Transmission begins from Moneypenny. And in the mailbag, remember, if you have a comment or question, you can post it on the radio show page on PipesMagazine.com, or you can email me directly, brian at PipesMagazine.com. It's B-R-I-A-N at PipesMagazine.com. And a quick mailbag. Uh, last week... Uh, Mick writes, greetings, I had to get on the keyboard and write something about this week's show before the thoughts faded away. Regarding your interview with Eric Weaver, a fellow Wisconsinite here, 
It was a great talk. I appreciate the Northwoods where Eric lives. In fact, I have a brother on the North Shore of Lake Superior. Love the Northwoods and the Big Lake ain't bad either. Uh, fascinating talk about wood-fired pottery. The characters that come together at that gathering would be interesting. I like Lining Kugels as well. Uh, the Frankie Lee song was excellent. Had a nice feel to it. Uh, I like the music that comes with his uh, with this program. Regarding the rant, I don't know. My wife doesn't suffer from asthma or anything, but wearing the mask for any length of time affects her. Hyperventilating a bit. Lack of O2, rebreathing your own air. Uh, that may be common amongst us. Uh, anyway, appreciate the input. There was an email a fellow mentioned the wider pipe community being a brotherhood, and it occurred to me that this is true. You pull together people from near and far, and a community is formed. Very nice. Uh, regarding the Happy Trails closing, it seems to me that David Lee Roth is smiling the entire time, enjoying the singing, and he lets out that chuckle at the end. Precious. Great spending time with you, listening to the show. Keep up the great work. Sincerely, Mick. Uh, Mick, thank you very much. And uh, as the story goes with Van Halen recording Happy Trails, I believe it was done in one or two takes in the recording studio late at night. And there might have been some, uh, some alcohol involved. So there you go. Uh, and then Pastor Jota wrote, and I'm putting this out there for everybody to kind of pitch in with their answers. Uh, I was recently privy to a conversation between a pipe maker from another country and some American pipe makers. The foreign pipe maker was challenging the quality of American makers because their draft holes enter the bottom of the bowl from the side. According to him, in his country, it is only allowed that the draft hole is in the dead center of the bottom of the bowl. Imagine looking down into the chamber and seeing a bullseye. I personally have never smoked a pipe with the draft hole in that location, but I don't have a very large collection and none of them are made by artisans. What is the difference in these locations to the smoking experience, pros and cons? I'd also be curious of the manufacturing challenges it presents and if there may be uh, actual standards that vary in different co in countries. Thanks for the great show. I always enjoy them and have learned a lot over the years, Joe. Well, I'm going to put this out there for everybody to answer. Uh, chime in with your comments on it. And then I'm also going to uh, save it for an Ask the Pipe Maker so that we can get uh, Jeff on to talk about that. And I may give him a little advanced warning on that so that he can do a little bit of homework and poke around. Also, if you have any uh, uh, Ask the Pipe Maker questions that uh, we haven't played yet, you know, question that's burning in your ears or between your ears, uh, email them to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and we'll get them answered for you. A couple other uh, quick things following up on some previous shows. Uh, remember the horn stems? And uh, a few of you jumped all over me for that. Well, at the time of recording, uh, smokingpipes.com has just put a special on ROP, R-O-P-P, ROP pipes, 20% off. And when I did the recording of this on Tuesday morning, there was several of them with the horn stems. So there's a chance for you to pick up one. And some of them are priced, you know, 65, 65 bucks. So check those out. 
Um, also, I'm not sure if I caught the if you caught this in any of the other shows, but uh, the Allen Brother pipes have been discontinued. So if you want one, I believe that uh, smokingpipes.com got the last batch of them. So you'll want to check those out. Yep, I believe this morning there's uh, 25 plus left. And then once those are gone, well, that's the end of the Allen Brothers pipes. All right, rant time is coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. may be serendipity and this was unplanned but i this has been coming up more and more recently in my life especially amongst the zoom chats that i've been having with other pipe smokers in the discussions and it seems like people have a little more time at home to try stuff and a little more interested to try different tobaccos so uh here it goes and a lot of this will be a little redundant to what kyle said but here it goes all right You've spent the money on a tobacco to try it, whether it be a tin or you bought an ounce of a bulk, whatever it is, you spent the money because, well, you think you're going to like it or you want to try it. And you pack that bowl and you take two puffs off of it and you're done with it. I've heard this now a couple of times from other people and I'm gonna tell you right now, if you're only doing two puffs of a bowl of a tobacco and then you're done with it, you, you don't like it, you're doing it wrong. And this is what happened to me with the blend that I was working on for the review. You can't just give a tobacco two puffs and then you're done with it. You've got to try it in different packing methods, different uh, moisture levels, you have to try it in different pipes, different size pipes. You have to try it in different times of the day. You may not find your everyday all day, but you may find a tobacco that's good for a special, for a unique occasion or a special occasion or whatever it is. But don't just try two puffs off of it and then I dumped the bowl and I threw the tobacco away. Well, that's not taste testing or trying it. That's just walking by, giving it a sniff, and then throwing it out, and that's, in my book, stupid. There you go. I called somebody stupid. And if you know who you are, the two or three people I'm talking about, well, guess what? Sorry, I already called you stupid to your face anyway, so there you go. All right. Uh, again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. iTunes ratings and reviews, greatly appreciate that. Would love, absolutely love, if you would share the Pipes Magazine radio show amongst all your uh, Facebook friends, Instagram followers, Twitter followers, whatever it is, share it out there. And if they need help 
listening or figuring out how to listen to a podcast, well, <laughs> help them out, please. That would be much appreciated. And uh, tell them, start current and listen to the back catalog and the current ones. Don't just start at the beginning. Thank you. There we go. All right. Enough of that. Uh, thank you very much to uh, Jeff Grasick for the Ask the Pipe Maker and for joining me. Thank you to Kyle. And thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. The clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy was it authentic frontier gibberish. It expressed a courage little seen in this day and age. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah.